Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to continue our series on prophetic evangelism. Last week on the show, we had Marsha Headley, and she shared with us stories of times where her and her husband were able to witness to people and minister to them, and how the Holy Spirit prompted her in each and every one of those situations. I want to encourage you as you go about your life every day, whether it be the workplace, your neighborhood, even when you're just out to get groceries or shopping, that every opportunity can be an evangelistic opportunity. And so I couldn't think of a better person this week to have on than my mom, who we kind of nicknamed Judy the Baptist, because she's always sharing her faith with people. Everywhere we go, you know, she's just always sharing her faith, and I thought that her stories and the things she had to say would encourage you, and so I'm just going to turn it over to her and let her share with our listeners about prophetic evangelism. Welcome to the show, Judy, Mom. (laughs) Thank you, Beth. I really enjoy this podcast. It's so much fun, especially doing it with Beth, and it's just another, another thing of my heritage as a believer to uh, see my children venture out and do things for the kingdom of God. And I was thinking the other day, and I am going to get to the evangelism, but I said, Lord, why does Beth do this podcast? Why do I speak on this podcast? I sat down and I thought, I want people who are believers to learn something they didn't know and advance their self in the kingdom of God, or I want an unbeliever to hear, change, and be born again. And so everything is about the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I know Beth's heart, and she knows mine, and she's, uh, I guess you could say she's looked at me with a microscope from a little child, and she knows that my heart is toward evangelism. And I think I said on the other podcast, I had a pastor, Larry Draper, in the Baptist church, and he he was such an evangelist. He really did instill in me as a brand-new, born-again Christian that I could win people to the Lord. Only if I just knew Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so I had a heart's desire to be used by God. And I believe I birthed it into my 10th grade girls Sunday school class. And so we went out every week and we witnessed. We saw lots of people be born again. And my main word is just do it. People say, well, I'm afraid. We'll do it afraid. Like Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid. And so I'm going to share some, what I would say is evangelistic times that the Lord has spoken to me. You know, you can witness. We're all supposed to witness. But then there are times when it's prophetic witness. When And what is prophetic It's just like what Beth says, you didn't do it, you didn't think of it, the Holy Spirit did. He's the one, he's he's just using your body, your mouth, your mind, and your heart to bring people into 
the kingdom of God. The first one I've just really thought about this was I was in Walmart and I have these little tracks that I had made up and I walked over to this lady she looked kind of tough. You know how some women just have a tough look? Well, she looked kind of tough, and I walked over, and I said, Can I give you this and just tell you Jesus loves you? And she whirled back at me, I don't want your track, and I don't want to have anything to do with that Jesus stuff. I am a, not an agnostic, but what's the? Atheist. Atheist. I looked at her, and I said, All of a sudden now, this is where... I hath not seen nor ear hath heard. It's straight from the Spirit of the Lord. So this is the prophetic part. This is the prophetic part. I would have never thought of this. I looked at her and I said, Okay, I understand. Can I give you a word from God, though? And she looked weird at me and said, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, through the Spirit of the Lord, not me, I, I don't know anything. You know, people come up to me and say, well, tell me what this is. And I say, I can't do that. I'm not a fortune teller. I, I am used of the Spirit of the Lord, but that's at His will. And so I started reading her mail, and I started telling her events that had happened when she was a little girl and how people had done terrible things to her and that she had felt guilty, and I told her it wasn't your fault. So can I can I interject right there, just so that people who may have questions, like how did you do that? Did that the, the Lord just started speaking through you, or did those thoughts come to your mind? The thoughts came to my and mind, and they just and then you just obeyed and went with it. And it, and I would have to probably add, and you can confirm this, that there was an anointing on that. So yes. You just, you had those because that's how it happens for me. The thoughts will just come to your mind, and the Lord just directs you what to say, and it's very instantaneous. Yes, and you know the Bible says that my sheep know my voice, and I know the voice of the Father. Right, and so it's in John ten that my sheep know my voice, and another voice they will not follow. John 10, 27. Okay, and so I just start speaking prophetically to her and telling her what the Lord is saying to me. I'm, re I'm almost like a translator. Right. And I start telling her how that she was abused when she was a child and she felt guilty and how that it was not her fault and that she could... Uh, that the Lord wanted to her to know that He loved her and that He cared so much about her. At that point, I really felt like the Lord was telling me, don't push it on her. She's had things pushed on her all her life. Mm -hmm. She needs love. And I ended up hugging her and her crying on my shoulder. Now, did I go through the Roman roads? Not that time. And anybody that knows me, I close the deal. Right. I would say you're, you're very um, direct and um, unafraid when you're witnessing. And, and, you know, you go straight in, very, not, not aggressive, but assertive and straight in with your, with your sort of uh, standard 
opening line but this so this time was different and that's because the Lord told you you know yes. maybe this time was just a plant she she needed to know that God was real he was aware of what had happened to her and that he loved her. And he cared. Yes. That's what I got, that he just wanted her to know that he cared. And I believe when I hugged her, it was like God's arms. So that was an anointed act. Yes. Okay, and that's that's one. And then we're going to jump on to another time. Beth has a Bible study at, at this uh, Methodist church, and she picks me up and... We are always running late. <laughs> and so Beth gets in, in the car with me and she says, we got to hurry. And I said, Beth, I really want some donuts. <laughs> I really, 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 really want some donuts. In fact, I woke up this morning wanting a donut. And there's a donut shop on the way. And she says, oh, I'm going to get you. She said, we'll stop, but you're going to have to hurry. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So she went in with me to pick out her donuts. <laughs> anyway, so we go in. Well, since we were there. Since we were there. Uh, we went in, and the young guy, he's a father, and he's about 35. Mid-30s, And, and uh, he is from... Uh, somewhere Indonesia, yeah. Like that. I go in and I'm all of a sudden here comes the Holy Spirit, starts talking to me and saying you need to talk to him, and so I I started talking to him about what do you believe about Jesus Christ, and it goes from that to another thing, and Beth is standing there by me, and I know she's thinking. There ain't a chance this guy's going to go anywhere. Go well, ahead, Beth. Well, just to, to set the scene a little bit, I mean, he did have a Buddhist statue <laughs> behind the counter, and it seemed pretty evident that he, he already had his own established religion. And, and typically, you know, that would be um, probably not going to happen. But go ahead. <laughs> well, he started telling me how his wife had left him and took his child and how and he was upset. Out of state, yeah. yeah, they were what New Jersey, somewhere like that. Anyway, and he and I said, "Well, did you know that God can help you with that?" And one thing led to another, and I just walked him right straight down the Roman road till he agreed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and prayed with him to be born again. And I thought that was really neat that Beth was right there beside me and uh, and got to experience it too. And so that's that's another time. Well, before we move on, I just want to sort of stress, just because I really want to emphasize the prophetic part of evangelism. So you said you felt like you heard the Lord tell you. Mm -hmm. So the Lord spoke to you, you know, um, and told you, you need to pursue Him with the gospel. Right. Um, so sometimes I think that um, if, we're, if we don't make ourselves aware, we can miss those nudgings of the Holy Spirit to evangelize. I think some, you know, Marsha talked last week that sometimes the reason people don't is they, uh, they are intimidated, you know, they're afraid, uh, and that, and she says, do it afraid, you know, that it's just something that you have to, uh, overcome the, you know, your, your fear about get out it. of you. Yeah. Get out of your own way. <laughs> 
And then uh, another reason is she says some people don't feel equipped. And she's like, it's really simple. We overcomplicate things. I mean, even if you start off with just encouraging people, I would say start right there. Just start by encouraging people. Uh, get you a scripture that you feel like the Lord is speaking to you through. Learn it. Dwell on it. Pray, on, pray about it. And then ask the Lord, who can I share this scripture with this week? Show me the person. And I, I really believe God will do that. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, that could um, be a great way to start. Now, I had this happen one time. I was in Walmart again. Walmart's kind of like my, you're my, my ground, mission field. My mission field. <laughs> so, you're, does this mean you're the missionary to Walmart? <laughs> I could be. And uh, I was there in this woman and her young son. Now, he was, when I say young, he was probably 17, 18. I looked at him and I said, your name is John. His mother was standing beside him. And I don't know, she was one of those people you could look at her and know she is a devout Christian. And she's listening to this with open ears. And I said, and you are away from the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, yes, ma'am. And I said, John, the Lord is giving you an opportunity right now to come back and to be born again. You were not born again. You were churched. You were religious. But Jesus wants you to have him in his heart, in your heart. And he'll be the one living the life out through you. Me and her son and the mom held hands and prayed for John to be born again. Wow. You know, the Beth, I think one of the the greatest mission fields is in church. Yes, I agree. Especially we're here in the South, and especially in the South, I think everyone here, the vast majority, have been churched. Right. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they have personal relationship with the Lord. You know, every church here just about is packed out at Christmas and Easter. Yes. Um, and a few times in between. But um, Mother's Day, a lot of people, they have religion, but they don't have Jesus. Right. Well, that's another thing the Lord started showing me, not judging like judging anything they would do or say or anything or where, but the Lord just started highlighting some people at a church we had left and it was right I didn't know we were even leaving and right before I left it was like every Sunday I led people to the Lord I led the pastor's the, uh, nieces both of the nieces to the Lord and I just I, it was like every week I led somebody to the Lord and I'm going, this is really strange. Well, I, I'll interject here that I think culture plays a role. And I'm speaking about the church as a whole. There has been a push to be relevant. And in doing so, I think that we've shied away from tradition. And um, some tradition that we've shied away from, I, I think that's just fine. But some is not 
a, a good decision. You know, a lot of churches no longer have altars. Right. Um, and things like that. And, and a lot of churches have begun to become um, seeker sensitive. And that's fine to a degree, but not at the expense of doing away with altar calls. I mean, you can phrase it anything you want to phrase it, label it, whatever. But you, I think it's the r- responsibility of the church to offer an opportunity for people to come to the Lord. And that's that's the, the part to me that's uh, disturbing in our culture. Right. And I've seen it in, in lo, you know, lots of different churches across many different denominations. I kind of consider myself interdenominational. I've joked on here before that I call myself Baptocaricostal. Amen. <laughs> so um, a Christian mutt. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's something that, that concerns me. But, uh, God, you know, the pastor cannot, like I've said this before, he, he has the vision for the church. He's the leader of the church. But your only source of Jesus cannot come through the pastor. He cannot hear God for every little decision in your life. You have to be able to have a relationship right. with the Lord on your own. And so if you're sitting in church and you're a Christian... Make sure it has nothing to do with religion, right? Or what Mama did, or because you're supposed to. It has to be Jesus Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. For I know that no good thing dwelleth in me except Christ. He is the hope of glory in me. I'm going to switch over now, Beth, and I I really feel like, here we go. The Lord just dropped something into my spirit, and it's kind of like a little process story. Years ago, when I was first born again, I wanted my family outside of my children. They were saved. Uh, I wanted my brother and my mother and my daddy saved, and my brother was not saved. He was in a let's call it a club that I was very against. It was very prejudiced. Yes. Did not like it. I argued with him about it. That didn't do any good. I kept praying and asking God, God, is he saved? I know he's been baptized and everything, but is he born again? Right. So he had been baptized as a a child growing up in in a mainstream church. And so one day he came... We would see each other every Sunday and eat lunch together. And Mother would cook, and they, his family and my family, we would all come together. Well, one day, he worked for a Jewish corporation, and he looked at me and he says, How do we really know Jesus is the Son of God? Well, I was thrilled that he asked that. It was your golden opportunity. Well, I didn't say anything to him then, because it gave me an insight He's not born again. Those that come to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Say that again, because that's an important point. Just, just say Those that one more time. Those that come to God must first believe that He is who? God. And who He says He is. Yeah, that that Jesus, He's the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God, right. And that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. And so I knew my prayers had to shift to Lord saving. And so at that time I taught kindergarten. And every morning I would be driving in my car, going to my work, and on my radio, WDJC, Christian Radio, they would sing this song 
from uh, I could wish you joy and peace to last a whole life long, but I wish you Jesus. By Dallas Holm, I think. No. No. Uh, Michael Brown. Okay. Uh, and I and I every morning that song would be like they their prelude to the news, and so I would sing it, and every morning I would say, I wish you Jesus, Jimmy. One afternoon, my brother came over to my house, and he was very upset. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, my wife has left me. I said, well, why? And he said, I don't know why. I said, well, let's pray about it. And he said for the first time, because he always wanted to act like he was a bigger Christian than me, not knowing if Jesus was the Son of God. And he said, I don't know how to pray, Judy. Oh, wow. And I said, I know. And I said, but you're going to know. And I said, you're going to pray and ask Jesus in your heart if you want to. He said, yes, I want everything. And so we prayed, and he was born again. And that night... My husband and him went to his house to get him some clothes so he could spend the night with me. I didn't want him alone. And my husband was driving down the road. And if you'd have, you'd have to know my husband. He never hears from God like that. <laughs> well, he's just very matter of fact. <laughs> he's very matter of fact. But this time he said, God said, turn in to Sportsplex. And I had just prayed with Jimmy that God would make the hidden things available. I mean, would show us what was hidden. And so they turned in, and around back, as they were leaving, they saw her truck. So they backed in to see what was happening. And she was with someone else, and they could hear everything they were saying outside their truck. They were laying down in the car listening oh your uh your brother and my husband yes okay and so god showed him and he was able to get custody of the child and everything and so my brother though was just like just loved god just loved everything about the spirit of the lord and I thought about that song right at that week. It was right at my birthday. And he said, I got your birthday present. And he handed it to me. It was the tape, Scott Wesley Brown, I Wish You Jesus. How about that? Well, and let me interject here. So this is something you always say. You always talk about having a golden moment versus a brassy moment. You know, the moment that your brother... Uh, came in and asked you the question about Jesus being the Son of God, you could have, you know, jumped jumped on that and said, of course, he's the Son of God. And and that would have been a brassy moment. And you might have missed your golden opportunity with him. So I do believe that there has to be a level of sensitivity. You know, the the Holy Spirit uh, sort of said, okay, pay attention to that and uh, wait for the golden moment. There are times, though, when you have to seize the moment, and then there's also times when you wait. And I think that's just learning to listen to the Lord. You know, I'm the kind that will just sit there, and in my mind I'll say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes. I try to consult with the Holy Spirit before I do anything. Right. Well, another time was uh, I had gone to a Bible study and took my best friend with me, and uh, she was Catholic, 
Later on, when I got home, she called me and she said, did you see that postcard on the refrigerator? And I had seen it. It was a big postcard. And it was a picture of the rapture, you know, planes crashing and people going up and all this. Very popular in the late 80s, 80s yes. I think, too. Yeah. And, yeah, you got another time. And she said, what is that? And I said, it's the rapture. And she said, what is the rapture? And I told her it's when God comes and gets his people that there's going to be uh, a tribulation and that we won't be going through it. We'll be taken up. And she said... So this was brand new information for her. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let's and put I, it this I, way. She did not know John three sixteen meant John, the third chapter, the 16th verse. But you know... I, you know, I, I, They had missiles. Right. Yeah, I, I understand that a lot of people, because um, a, a lot of what's taught today in church, like I said, is, is there's an effort to be relevant. And a lot of it is sort of a, you know, grace message, and that's great. But a lot of people do not know, have not been taught how to study the Bible. Right. And, and some of these large concepts like eschatology, which is the study of the end times. And so I understand a lot of people might not understand, like, what the word dispensationalism is. And right. So. Well, anyway, Linda uh, asked me, will I go? And I'm going... <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. ruh row. I said, well, that depends if you've ever been born again. And she said, no. I said, John 3, 3 says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's Jesus speaking. He was speaking. Yeah, and like I said, these are things that aren't always taught in church, but it's in your Bible. Yes. And it's so foundational. There is no wiggle room right there. No, it's straight, straightforward. And if, you know, when you're born, <laughs> you know, there, anyway. And so I said, she said, well, how do you get born again? And I said, do you want to be born again? She said, absolutely. So I prayed with her. To be born again. It was wonderful. And then about a month later, I was in her house. And her husband, who was, he has passed on, but he was a psychologist. Very into psychology. Very intellectual. Very intellectual. And, you know, I'm a nobody. <laughs> you know. And I went to their house. Now, this is somebody I loved. Like a brother. Great, great people. Great people. He starts talking to me, and he said, well, if God's so good, how come all these people are dying in India? I said, well, they're following their God. And if God were to do anything, they would give homage to their God for doing something good. And I said, so, I said, it's, God does not bring anything on people. The Bible says the curse causeless cannot come. There's always a cause and an effect. Anyway, we got to talking, and I, I would only answer him scripturally. And he looked at me, and he said, If you weren't such a good friend, I would tell you to leave this house. And I said, I will go happy, not mad, if that's what you want. But you're trying to, to pick my brain, and I'm giving you totally scripture. 
Which, by the way, is when someone wants to argue, I find that just answer with the scripture or do not argue. <laughs> right. Well, That's wisdom. He, uh, he, he was mad. So I left. And about two weeks later, his wife said, look, I'm leaving the Catholic Church. We do the youth. I want these people to at least these teenagers to know about being born again. Would you please come and share salvation with these kids? There was about 30 kids. I thought there'd be three or four. There was a whole huge room. And so I had a big presentation ready about how the devil had fooled you. All these doors you would open. I thought I was safe because I'm an American. Fooled you. I thought I was safe because I go to church. Fooled you. I thought I was safe because I partook of the Eucharist. Fooled you. And I gave scripture saying why. Then... Pretty good message. Pretty good message. (laughs) Then I got down to the last one with except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And I had Jesus saying, come unto me. And so I looked up when I was having prayer time, if anybody would like to ask Jesus to come in your heart and be your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Her husband was praying that prayer with me. How about that? You had given him a lot to think, or the Holy Spirit through you had given him a lot to think about. And he went on to be like... Uh, he was a deacon at his uh, an Assembly of God church years later, and you actually, um, he passed away last year. And I did his funeral. Right, you were it it was a it was total a full circle moment. Yes, it was a fluke thing, and I was asked, kind of last minute, last minute asked to do his funeral, and it was such a God thing. And, and you were actually, I will say this because you probably won't, but you actually gave um, semi-altar call at his funeral. And um, there was a, someone there, a, a distant relative of his, that I think it made an impact on. So that was, you know, who knows? The, the Lord is yes. amazing. Yes, he is so amazing. And also that whole family, it was a big family of yes. Italians. God was working on the other side through an aunt. Right. And... She was just... She was the Moses. (laughs) Yeah, she was the Moses of that family, and she was leading people to the Lord, and it was like the Lord says, she needs a little help. Let me come over here. And so it's just amazing what God did, and... I can't. Can you think of some more, Beth? Well, there's uh, there's tons I'm thinking of. But Me I too. do want to stress before we tell any more stories. We probably have time for one more story. Um, I do want to stress though that just the the you know the title of this series is prophetic evangelism. That we have to be led by the Holy Spirit to minister to people. And and like you said, you may not always minister salvation. Sometimes you're there. The Lord will use you to just encourage a, another believer or to encourage someone who's unsaved or to plant a seed. You know, I believe uh, even giving that lady a hug probably brought some emotional healing to her yes. so that she could even be open to hear the gospel um, because it sounds like she had walls up from abuse as a child. And so I find myself often speaking um, encouragement to people, especially about their destiny and their dreams and their future and things like that. And a lot of times I end up ministering to other believers. I'm, you know, a lot of that has to do with logistics. I don't have a, I have a job where I work from home, have several 
sort of renaissance, lots of little jobs. But um, I'm not out in the world a whole lot, so I find myself ministering to people inside the church more often. But we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. So that means we have to be able to hear and to see and to be able to interpret what we're hearing and seeing. And, and that has to become a practice. You have to you have to ask the Lord. I think sometimes we have not right. because we ask not. You know, Lord, use me this week. And that's why I say start off with a simple scripture. Okay, Lord, who needs to hear this scripture this week? Well, uh, I want to reiterate the thing that we hit on about God gave me a long time ago. You want to have a golden moment. Yes. Gold is pure. Gold is God is a golden, you know, he is pure as gold. And we can be pure as gold if God will refine us. I don't want a brass moment. Brass looks a little bit like gold, but it's not. We really want to make sure that we don't come off brassy to people. You know, these people that say turn or burn, and if you don't have my God, like there's something better. I'm not better because I have Jesus. I'm I'm just more thankful. Yeah. Because I know what I could have been, where I could have been at. But by the grace of God, go I. I really ask God to give me golden moments with people. And like this lady, I could have had a brass moment with her and probably pushed my way. But that's not what God wanted me to do. Right. I think love has to be the motivator. Right. Love and uh, think about the other person. Right. You know, you know, what are they thinking as you come up and say these things? And so, and you, you know, you've got to have a lot of empathy. Well, and I'll say this too. Everyone has their own personality and their own style. Um, I, you know, I'm much more, uh, I guess, diplomatic than you would be. I think you're more direct. I am. I'm very uh, direct. Extremely. Got, I, feel, I feel like God's... <laughs> but it works for you. Yes. yes I feel like God's given me a, a mission to do. Right. And I want to go straight in and do it. And I see God's told me a long time ago, I have lots of fishermen, but I have very few people that will reel the fish in. They're getting taught and taught and taught and taught, but very few people will reel the fish in. Well, and, and I'm a reeler. Right. I'm a, a reel that fish in. Let's well, get him. I'll say it like this. You know, our family used to have car lots uh, where we're in the car business, used car business, and we would have all these young, outgoing salesmen and a lot of them could sell but it's like a when it came time to close the deal and right. actually get the people to sign on the dotted line a lot of these guys just could they couldn't do it they were too nice or too friendly and so you would have a sales manager that would come in and he was the businessman and say okay here's what your payment's going to be you need to sign here if you have the credit whatever um, but i find that in evangelism there's a lot of people who can say Jesus loves you, (laughs) but then they can't close the deal. Um, In fact, I'll give this example. Uh, You and I were at the Dollar General, (laughs) and uh, there was a man who, he had on like a a hat from his church and the little t-shirt. He was was on it. He was on it. He was a billboard for church. And so there was a a lady and her two kids in, in front of him. 
he started ministering and witnessing to the lady, and he was kind of had a flamboyant personality, and he was saying, God is good. Amen. God is good. You know, and he started talking to them, and he, he shared the gospel with them, but he did not pray with her, and I was buying some snacks, and I kind of quickly paid for my snacks and followed him out to his truck, and I said, sir, sir. And I said, I really appreciate what you did. And the, the people he had talked to were a couple of cars over. I said, hey, come on, we got we to gotta close the deal. <laughs> and so we walked over there and we ended up um, praying with the lady, shared the Romans Road. And I'll post the, the link in the, the description box. It's just sort of the standard um, evangelistic tool where you go through a couple of scriptures and Romans and give people the plan of salvation. And um, so we prayed with her, and she shared with us that she had had a house fire and that they were actually in the store buying some toiletries, and we were able to connect her with uh, the ministry, uh, the church, as the Methodist church down the street, and that they had some kind of connection there, and they were able to, to help her and everything. And I see that a lot of times with people that witness that they can share the gospel in the sense of Jesus loves you, or, you know, let me tell you what the Lord did. But a lot of times um, they can't close the deal. They don't pray with people the sinner's prayer. And so I think that's important. And it's okay. You know, some people may not feel like, like Marsha was saying, they don't feel confident or equipped, um, but you'll get there, you know, but it is something to work toward. And we need to, we need to be able to actually pray with people and get them to pray the sinner's prayer. I think that's very important to, to quote, close the deal. But uh, I thought I'd leave us with one more story uh, before we go. I thought you could share one more. Okay. Uh, like Beth said, my husband had a car lot, and I taught kindergarten. And after kindergarten, I would always drive up to the car lot and help my husband do a few things. And this day, I had a friend, and she had already called and told me that her soon-to-be sister-in-law was pregnant and didn't know if she was going to keep the baby because they didn't know for sure if they wanted to get married. Without telling me, she just kind of got her and drove up to our car lot, and I said, come on, let's go out to the car and we'll talk. So he got in this big old Cadillac. has a lot of room. <laughs> Late 80s again. <laughs> and, yeah, and... I talked to this young lady. All the the uh, sister-in-law to be cared about was that she didn't have an abortion. And I'm looking at it totally different because I'm hearing from the Lord. Right. And the Lord is saying, she's not born again. And even if she says she isn't going to, she can change her mind. She needs to be born again. And so I went, I just flipped the script and went a whole different way, and the Lord gloriously saved her. Then I looked at her and I said, and you've got another decision to make, and I believe you'll make a decision for life. And she did. Years later, her daughter entered her in a Mother's Day. You had to write, Why My Mother deserves to be the best mother. Her daughter wrote how her mother had grown up in a terrible childhood situation. She was 16, alcoholic, unmarried, pregnant. 
and was absolutely going to get an abortion. And a lady, meaning me, talked to her, led her to the Lord, and she made the decision to keep her baby. She grew up to be just this precious Christian. And then years later, I am working in a department store myself, and there is this mother that has come there and worked there again. It just kind of comes off, you know, full circle. Full circle. And she hugged me and said, you know, you saved my life because I didn't want to live after that. Wow. Well, the Lord used you. The Lord did it. Yes, He certainly did. Well, um, that's all we have time for today. But I hope this encourages our listeners to um, to step out, to be bold. Do it afraid. Yeah, do it afraid. Let the Lord use you to, uh, to encourage people, to minister to people, and to lead people to the Lord. And just that the Lord would use you to step out in prophetic evangelism. Thanks for being on the show. Thank Mom. you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so next time I post, you will be informed. Thank you for listening. And also, if you would like to send me an email, you can do so at bethwingate at aim.com. That's bethwingate, B-E-T-H-W-I-N-G-A-T-E at aim, A-I-M dot com. Bethwingate at aim.com. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and have a blessed day.